Hey everyone, this is Sam, better known as That Girl with the Curls, and I'm recording this just to kind of give you a heads up that the first 14 episodes are essentially, they were previously recorded for the website Word of the Nerd that I used to write for, and as I am no longer a writer for that website, I decided to take my podcast with me uh, to my own website, The Maniacal Geek, and uh, use this as my forum for interviewing people and whatnot and saying things that I want to say, which, you know, hopefully this introduction is getting that across. If not, I apologize. So uh, you will hear this on every recording for the first 14. After that, they will be different recordings, uh, just kind of, you know, intros, basically, to whomever's on the podcast. So if you're hearing this for the umpteenth time, please skip ahead. Uh, if not, uh, just enjoy the rest of the show, and I hope you keep listening and come back for more. All right, thank you so much, and uh, have fun with this episode. your wonderful host, uh, if I do say so myself. And today uh, we're going to be talking Snowpiercer, which is a really awesome movie that came out recently. And to help me talk about that, I have two wonderful uh, contributors slash friends of mine via Word of the Nerd. Uh, we have uh, Dieter Zimmerman. Dieter, say hello. 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 And we also have Rachel Prophet. Rachel, say hello. Yay, me. Yay, me. So uh yeah, there we're just gonna we're gonna talk about some Snowpiercer. Um first of all, what did you guys think of it? Like just overall. Like uh Rachel, you wanna go first? Well, I do, I guess. Um, although I think Dieter had a very eloquent Facebook status update about it and I do if I do say uh, so. Let, let me you, you you go talk about it, I'll find yes. the status update. So, so here's the funny thing is, um, you know, even just based on the movie poster, I was like, I'm in because um, Chris Evans really won me over in the Avengers for Captain America. Like I, I certainly went in like all Iron Man. Like I love Robert Downey Jr. And I didn't really like the first Captain America that much, but I loved him in the Avengers. I thought he did a great job. And I thought Winter Soldier was fantastic. And I was like in, it also looks amazing, but I had no idea what I was in for. Like it was so good. <laughs> I remember turning to people next to me and saying, well, they were friends of mine. They weren't just strangers and saying, I think this movie has hypnotized me. Like I am hypnotized by this movie. And we all, we all were like, I know, right? Like what is happening? And it was hard to read the rest of the theater. Like I didn't know if other people were into it or not, but I went back to see it again. I saw it last night and it definitely was, you could tell word of mouth was good. There were more people there. And the person who, it's like a little indie, like movie theater where you can get beer and food and stuff. And they introduce all the movies. And she said, I haven't seen this yet, but it's getting really great reviews from everyone. And it definitely is. Like we left the theater talking loudly about like how amazing it was and how much we had to think about it. And I'm so glad I saw it again because it gives you a lot to think about. And at some point yep. tonight, we really, the one thing I still, I just don't understand is that, wait, can we swear on this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That fucking fish. You know when the guy went <laughs> the fish? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the fish? Because then later 
the fish. I don't know. We can get to the fish later. But mm-hmm. I loved it. I think Chris Evans even managed to act better than he looks. So you weren't just distracted by his hotness. Like, he was really good. And all yeah, of yeah, yeah, I, 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 was, I was totally not distracted by his hotness. Right. No, Dieter doesn't like the beard. But I am a fan. So Power of beard, man. Yeah. Power of beard. Well, yeah, I thought it was a great movie also. just I, I went in knowing almost nothing except that a few people I trust said it was good, and and it was even better than I was expecting. I was uh, – yeah, it was, it was good. So a, it was a, quote, delicious, thought-provoking, quirky sci-fi action comedy drama. This is what cinema should be, like a Terry Gilliam movie that makes sense. Excellent. And that's cool, by the way, from the woman only Dieter Thurman. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, so then they were talking about, so to give some background on the movie itself. Wait, let me, um, I'm going to pause you for one second, because I feel like you might know the answer to this. You okay. know how at the end of the Avengers, that little scene with the shawarma at the end of the credits, yeah. you know how the, it's Chris Evans was filming a movie at the time and he had a beard for the movie. So that's why he has to keep his like fist on his face. And yeah. got, is this that movie? I think it was. Oh, <laughs> to me. <laughs> trivia for everyone that really excites me okay go ahead keep going um yeah so the 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 background because this this movie is kind of like very controversial in some ways because it was made i think two years ago actually and it's the the director is a uh, jun ho bong who um is a korean director who a lot of people might know from the movie the host right. if they're familiar with korean cinema uh, which is is pretty good. I've seen most of it, and what I saw was good. So. I, I saw it in the theater. So, oh, did how was it? It was good. It, it was different because it's Korean cinema, and it doesn't follow, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the. Um, That's just what was... Hollywood, but it was good. Yeah, that's exactly what I loved about this movie. Was it did not follow the yes the absolutely. American rules for how you tell a story. It was right. oh, exactly. so good. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, he adapted the um, the well, him and, and someone else adapted the graphic novel Snowpiercer, which is written by uh, was it? Ooh, I have it here. I have the comic book and everything. Uh, it was written by Jacques Lobb and art by Jean Marc Rochette or Rochette, however they want to say it. So they adapted it for the screen. They filmed it, and it got nothing but praise at like all the international film festivals. Yeah. And then they were distributing it through uh, the uh, Weinstein's, uh, so through the Weinstein company. And then what happened is that the Weinstein's wanted to cut 20 minutes from the movie. Uh, they didn't want to do the full director's cut because there was an article that came out where they're like, they didn't think that the American audience would understand the movie. Oh my god! Oh fuck them! And you know, yeah. honestly, a lot of American audience probably won't, but. Who cares? Those, those those people probably aren't going to go to this movie anyway. Right, we're not going to see this movie. Oh goodness! <laughs> I want to see a giant train don't, like go like don't crap. sell yeah. don't sell me short. Just give me a break. Oh. Yeah, it's 
it was a huge thing. It was a it was a fight back and forth because at first, like the director was going to be like, okay, I just want people to see it, and then he started really fighting for the full uh, movie, which yeah. he finally won. Because it's not super long. It's it's about two hours, right? Right. It's not, it's not like Peter Jackson or anything. No. Yeah. It's it's a typical length of most movies anyway that we see these days. So. Um, I almost want to know what 20 minutes they, they tried oh to cut. Oh, gosh. What could you cut? Mm-hmm. What could you cut? Nothing. I don't know. There's not uh, a maybe, single maybe, moment. Maybe There's little, one moment little, little, pieces, little pieces towards the end where they're going through the cars near the front. You could probably cut some of those. But no, but, but that's, not, not 20 minutes worth. No way. What's yeah. funny about those moments is those are some of my favorite because my favorite thing – well, there's a lot of favorite things about this movie. But one of my favorite things is how those brief images tell you this whole story about okay. this society. Like, when they go into the weird car where everybody looks vaguely like Elizabethan, you know? Like, yeah. like what is happening? But you know, you know what's happening. Oh, so good. I mean, Matt, I would be angry to see a cut with 20 minutes taken out of this movie. Exactly, and I know that there were a lot of people being like, even if they the even if they cut the the twenty minutes out, there was probably more than likely the director's cut would have been leaked at some point, oh, and sure. people would be watching it anyway. Um, so that was like the whole thing surrounding it, and so it's gotten a limited release in terms of like it's basically in theaters that are so out of the way for a lot of people that you have to really want to go see this movie now to to go out and see it. Well, but it's also on demand already, right? Is it on demand? It is. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. yeah. It's on like Direct TV. If I if I were connected to the internet on my Direct TV, I could watch it again. I probably would. But I, I feel lucky. I live in Columbia, Missouri, and this theater um, ragtag that shows these independent movies um, has it on. Like, and it's I think it's probably extended the run. Like, I think it's one of those theaters that can because it's a local business, it can respond to demand. You know, and. Um, They've had it on, like, daily, multiple shows for a while now, so we're lucky to have them. But you live in Seattle. You must have this yeah. movie somewhere. Sam. Yeah, it was playing at the, um, basically, the uh, the Seattle International Film Festival's uh, kind of, like, smaller theater, like, off near the Space Needle. But they, uh, they stopped already? Yeah, they were only doing a limited run oh, in, okay. in Seattle. So, uh, yeah, I got, I got in there, like, the day before they stopped playing it. Uh, was the only time I could get off work in time to go and see it. Wow, that's surprising to me. I would think Seattle would yeah. be showing it still. Yeah, um, I mean, I can, I can always check, too, because I could be wrong. Because, again, word of mouth might have given it a much better um, reputation. And they're all yeah. like... Well, it is funny because on IMDb, it is one of those movies that gets lower user than critic reviews, which is rare. Usually you see higher user than critic, but even the user reviews are a, it's a solid 7 out of 10, which I think yeah. means they're, you know, those of us that get it probably gave it a 10, right? Yeah. And then there are people that just hate it, which is fine. They can hate it. I don't care. They're not my friends. Um, yeah. And like a 2 because they thought he would be Captain America or something or whatever, oh. you know, like. It's, it is one of those interesting movies where sometimes the critics are on it more because they just love movies more because, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully anyway. Well, that's the thing about it. And, and by the way, Snowpiercer is still playing at the uh, at, at the cinema where I saw it. So it's been it's they've kept it going. So Yay! It's good for Yay! Again, Sam! I will. Now I have to. I might go see it tomorrow night. I have friends who are going to see it tomorrow night. And they're like, you probably don't want to see it a third time. I was like, really? Because I might. 
Are you kidding I, me? I, I really wish I had time to go see it again tonight before we recorded this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now that now that I know that, I wish I had seen it again so I could just kind of take more stuff in. But my memory is pretty good, hopefully. My, yeah, my if we not. talk about it more, we'll come back to you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for those who don't know, the basic premise of the story is that we, we killed the Earth. And uh, the only uh, uh, salvation that we had, all this human civilization is now on this one train called the Snowpiercer, uh, or actually it's called Wilford, basically. Uh, and it's uh, on a trek all across the world, has specific points that it hits, and uh, it's divided between the haves and the have-nots, or the, the tail section and then the forward section. So, yeah. And guess who live in the tail section? <laughs> All the people we like. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, there's basically this entire movie is about the people in the tail section trying to move ahead to the engine at the very front. Um, and hilarity ensues, but not really. <laughs> not really. But sometimes, yes. Like, Moments of hilarity. This is, I think, the craziest thing about this movie is that it starts, like, it tells the story in such a different way, and I hope you guys can help me articulate what it means, because you've already kind of alluded to this. Like, we've all noticed it, right? Like, there's no exposition at the beginning. It's like, okay, okay. Yes, um, there was global warming. We tried to fix global warming by putting this stuff in the atmosphere, and it froze everything. Okay, and go. <laughs> like, and then we're in. And so you just start with the action right away. And what I love is that the only exposition you get in the movie um, seems so natural and it comes when it should come and it's not like it's not spoon feeding you answers the way I bet what the wine scenes wanted was like American audiences aren't going to get it cut 20 minutes just give us all the exposition and cut out this weird visual stuff and and make sure everybody understands what's happening whereas I never felt confused about what was happening other than the fish yeah. no, and maybe I mean, it, 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 it gives you the perfect amount of information. It yes. gives you it gives you mm-hmm. only exactly what you need to know to understand what's going on and nothing more, nothing yeah. less. And I think we should probably people will know this already, but these are like we're spoilering in this, right? We're going to talk about everything. So many spoilers. Okay, good. So everybody, no. you have to see it before you listen to us because we're going to spoil. If you haven't seen it, you might want to turn this off. Go see it. Come back. Listen to the rest yeah. of this. Because <laughs> you're going to want to talk about all the stuff we're going to want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 again, like what you were saying, Rachel and, and Dieter as well. Like the yeah, the exposition. If there is any like heavy exposition, it comes you know at the point where it should be. Yes. Like Chris Evans has this amazing monologue at the very end, but it only makes sense because of all the stuff we've seen before it. Um, everything was building up to that monologue pretty much. Yeah. And it's, it's such a heartbreaking monologue and just tears you apart. And it shows, I mean, again, what a, actually what a really great actor Chris Evans is. Uh, I think he gets kind of shortchanged sometimes, right. but he's that monologue. Sort of, he's so, I mean, not to be like first word problem on this guy, but he's very mm-hmm. good looking. So he can play leading men and leading men often aren't that interesting especially in American movies, but he is definitely the leading man in this movie, and he is interesting. And maybe for most of the movie, you feel like he's kind of just, okay, he's the quiet, heroic type or whatever. He's the reluctant hero. You know, like, I don't want to be the leader. Oh, you have to be the leader. But but there's always depth there. And then that speech at the end is like, oh, goddamn, 
just gets you where you live. You're just like, God! You brought us home, Chris Evans! (laughs) And what you're talking about, only getting exposition when you need it. Like, there's that part, like, I don't know, like halfway through where where he's being told that he needs to be the leader, and he's like, I can't be the leader, I still have two arms. Yes! And and you're like, what the hell does that mean? I I know that it's important, but what the hell does that mean? And then at the end, you're like, oh my god, that all makes sense. Yeah, amongst all these people with like you know um uh, was it John Hurt is there and right. he has uh, like a, a an umbrella uh, for an arm and like I think just like a stick for a leg or something like that. So you see all these people with um just pieces of ephemera are being used to uh to to basically substitute limbs now and you're always just like okay, what happened? And then, yeah, every step forward, you find out more information, and then that monologue where you find out why this happened. Yeah. It's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. So, hopefully everybody listening has seen it. Mm-hmm. And, but if not, they're really confused. So they're probably like, yeah, let's go see it, because we don't know what these people are talking about. But I think yeah. the progression through the cars is like, so well played. You know, like, you start mm-hmm. in the tail section where everything's crowded, and the very, is it the very first car they get to, they lead this revolution, right, and everybody's waiting right. for the time, and it's the very first car they get to the one where there's a window. Well, no, uh, the very first one is kind of the prison or whatever where they get the guy to open the gates for them. and Yeah. Oh, that's where they get the guy out of the jail cell. The the whole thing is that uh, uh, Curtis, who is uh, Chris Evans' character, has been receiving these notes oh, right. in the uh, protein jellies that they that they eat, um, and he's uh, basically been how they've been plotting this whole rebellion is based on what's been going on with these little um, notes that they get, and uh, yeah, so he like the first scene is basically him timing when the guards come in, when the the doors close and everything. And so it's all about, like, trying to make sure that they can get through to get to this one guy who can open the rest of the, the gate doors that will get them to the front. And by the way, there's a lot that they're getting out of those one-word notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have somehow put a group together. And that, actually, one of my big picture questions for the movie is, um, is... Wilfred, the Ed Harris character at the end, telling the truth or lying about the John Hurt character, whose name I now have forgotten. Do you guys remember his name? Gilliam. Gilliam is his name. His name is Gilliam. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I didn't didn't make that connection before. Um, So, because Gilliam does tell Curtis at some point, don't listen to what this guy says. Right. And And, and this, I've I've been reading stuff online, and this is still a big... It's kind of right because a part of you thinks he's saying that because he knows Wilfred is so good at lying that Wilfred can manipulate you. And then part of you thinks at the end, no, he's saying that because he has been in on this and he doesn't want Curtis to know it. And because to, to some degree, I feel like the only way you could get all of this planning from these little tiny notes is if Gilliam is, in fact, right, right. in on it. Yeah, and I, I I totally think he was in on it. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I think it was the first time I saw it, I didn't, and the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, he was. But he does truly believe, just like I think actually Wilfred truly believes that it is for the best. Right. Well, and, and it's the whole like, um, was it when uh, they're in the God? What is it? The 
the car with the kids and Allison Pills oh, all like, you know, the indoctrination scene. scene. That um, is the scene where you're like, oh, this movie is for real. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is not scared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the, the you know, the in, in the speech that uh, was it Wilford gives at the end when Curtis makes it to the engine, when he starts talking about him and Gillian's uh, relationship and everything, everything he says, you're like, it makes sense yeah. that he'd be on it. Right, it like, does. About population control, about, I mean, even when Gilliam's like, you know, we could just turn back now, like, because they make it to the, sure. the water. That's right, because it probably would be the right number of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right, true. and and because, yeah, Wilford, Wilford told him that the revolution was supposed to end at the car right before the water right. where all the people yeah. were, and, and then they get through that, and Gilliam is trying to convince him to turn around and be done. Right. So, he he knew what the plan was, I think. Right, I do. I think so too. I the first time I wasn't sure um, because I thought maybe this is just an example of like when people tell you not to listen to the devil, you know, they can take in, they can give you enough of a twisted version of the truth to make you doubt everything. Right. But the second time I saw it, I was like, oh no, yeah, he's jumped in on it. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's- it's also an interesting thing because you figure if uh, – so we agree that Gilliam was in on it. And then when you think of Curtis's monologue when he says that Gilliam was the first person to cut off a limb to save them from eating a baby, which turns out to be Jamie Bell's character, Edgar. Yeah. And so, so was he in on it all that time or no? I, well, from what Wilfred says, he was in on it from the beginning, so he – was apparently willing to go to those lengths. Wow. I always well, thought it was just, like... Yeah, as far as he's concerned, he's saving the human race. So, you know, mm-hmm. what sacrifices... Yeah, are I thought maybe it was like, Gilliam does that, and it ends up saying, you know, because in theory, he would let people die off, right? Yeah. But Gilliam does that, and it's... And, that, and the, the change that that causes that other people start doing it, and then once other people start doing it, that's when Wilfred sends food back. As if they're like, well, we don't want the tail section actually working together, right? We'll nah. give them food now so that we can control them. And I almost wondered if Gillian was identified, like, after that as the leader and, like, could be maybe you said, look, we'll feed you, but there's got to be this optimum. But that almost doesn't matter in a way, like, when specifically he was in on it. But the fact that he was ultimately in on it at the end. And you can see when Chris Evans... Guy's so good because you can see when he when he believes it. Like you can see the moment that he actually believes it, and it's like crushing. Yeah, and and I think that's that. Other than the monologue, that's where it really hits you, where you're just like, oh shit! Yeah. You're just like, really? No, he was the gentle old man who guided you, and he turns out to be in on it. Yeah, yeah. and you can see him start to believe. In what's happening, and what the craziest part is, you can understand. You can be like, oh, what if this is it? Like, this is, we have to actually be able to sustain life. Right. What and I, you- I, 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 feel, I feel like he was he was moments away from accepting the offer. Until yeah. they find the kid. <laughs> so they find the kid under the floor. Which was very, by the way, how did she know he was under there? She, yeah, that was, there was like... Oh, she's clairvoyant. That's right. But there wasn't, I I think that, I do agree with you, Rachel, in that moment, it's like, because she, so uh, when they find the the guy who's going to open the gates, he, uh, there's, I love the scene, first of all, when they're questioning him, and then he, 
basically frees his daughter, and they're addicted to this uh, substance Chronos. called Chronos, uh, which is basically toxic waste. And uh, she is somewhat clairvoyant. She can see kind of beyond the gates and everything. When, when she runs up in the engine, I don't think that there was enough time for us to really realize that that's what was going on. Yeah. I think it was, it was very rushed. Like, um because I'll buy that she knew that um, the little boy that they had been looking for was under the the floor, but I think there needed to be more of a moment of her kind of figuring that out versus she runs in, Curtis is just like, no, wait, I'm almost at the dark side. Yeah, he and was totally almost dark side. Yeah, exactly. Like, he pushes her back. He's like, no. Yeah. You don't mess this up for us. And then she's like, oh, wait, under this child... And and yeah, that was and that's the thing that kind of snaps Curtis out of it, where he's just like, oh, here's because what was the kid's name? Was it Sammy that they were? No, I think that was Timmy. Timmy. I don't know who the redheaded kid was, but I think Timmy was the black kid. Yeah. That was the guy who got his arm frozen off. That was uh, yeah. That That was the red kid, the redheaded boy. Yeah, oh. that was his son who ends up getting inside the engine. Super creepy, like like they brainwashed those kids in like two days because they definitely took the kids and then immediately started the revolution. So right, <laughs> the kids got so brainwashed so fast, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, just the those those moments are are so chilling, um, as well as like even just the moments where they're passing through the different cars because one of the I love those. Exactly. I mean, I love the visuals of it. The one thing I was kind of um, just didn't make sense at times is that in the so in the comic it says there's a, it's like a thousand and one cars. Right. Oh, uh, that big! Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's. I think in the movie you never get that sense of how. The only time you do is when they're shooting at each other through the cars. Yeah. Because then, like, that's when you realize, oh my gosh, they're like on one end of the track. And the mm-hmm. other, and you know what? I never even thought of the fact that we only see them go through like eight. <laughs> right. You, yeah. You, you never see where anybody sleeps except for the tail section people. Sure. So maybe yeah. maybe they even cut. Maybe they actually already cut twenty minutes, and <laughs> that was the other nine hundred and ninety-two thousand cars or something. Whatever. It's like going through the the one garden section where there were like the old women who were just like, oh, most unorthodox. Oh my goodness, what is happening? I love it. I love it when they're like, don't eat that. Like what? I'm gonna eat this. <laughs> um, well, even in the when they get to the food section where the um, they're making the protein mm-hmm. stuff, like mm-hmm. what was in? I couldn't really properly I tell. I think it was like cockroaches. It was okay. yeah. It was. It was weird. Like it was funny. Is the CGI in this movie is not the best CGI in the world, but like not you just accept it. it because it almost adds to the surreal quality. Like, even when you see the outside world as all snow and ice, you're aware that that is CGI. It feels like CGI. And yet, somehow, that makes it better. Like, oh, yeah, this is bizarro world. <laughs> like, And I think that was like cockroaches and bugs. So so about the, about the bugs, like, like I was, I was kind of, I, I wasn't trying to hate the movie, but I was trying to find flaws with this movie just because that's, uh-huh. that's what I do when I go see movies. So, I, so like, like at the beginning, in, in the beginning parts of the movie, they're, you know, in these dirty cars that are crammed, packed, full of people. And, and there's one point where they're like, he's 
digging around in some corner or something, and I'm like, there's no bugs on this train. Like, oh, surely, right. surely some bugs got should be back here. Ah, uh, Peter, you got where, it. Where are the bugs? And then a few <laughs> cars later, I'm like, oh, there are the bugs. That's <laughs> like, that's not and, then, well- and then there's the fish. I'm like, where the hell did they get a fish? Where the <laughs> hell? Live, a recently live fish, no less. Where did okay, they get- now here's the thing. So now we know where they got the fish, but still, what was the deal with the fish? Yeah, just kind of like... Yeah, because they're they're in the car right before the water section because they know if they take the water, then it's just and it's like each advancement is more is more about controlling power in the train. Like the the what they say is like you control the engine, you control the world, and that's that's one of the things that I really love about this movie is that it's basically a microcosm of society. I mean, and it's not even trying to hide that fact. It's not such. That's what's so brilliant about it is it's. It's not scared to be cliched, and mm-hmm. and yet it's not somehow cliched. You're like, oh, no, this is actually brilliant. It is a microcosm of the world, and I understand everything they're going for, and they absolutely knock it out of the park. Exactly. So, so yeah, right before the water section, they run into, like, basically a bunch of mercenaries that are uh, – and, and we haven't but even talked about – My Hilda. favorite thing about those mercenaries is some of them – have masks that covers their mouths and others just cover their eyes <laughs> and only their mouths show like why why is that happening i don't know but i love it and there's just those bizarre things like that when they're in that car and they're fighting suddenly it's uh they're passing over a certain portion of the bridge that indicates it's the new it's the new year oh my god i love it <laughs> and everyone stops they're like five four three Happy two you're like what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, you know what? Even you're right. Even before the elementary school car, that car is where you know something weird is happening in this movie. You're like, I don't understand why there's a fish and they cut it open and then he trips okay. on it. And I remember saying to my friend, I was like, I think it's a Korean symbol. I found a, a theory online that seems like it's plausible at least. Okay. Okay, so basically this this person is saying that the the fish tank in the aquarium is kind of a is a metaphor for the whole train. Okay. Which makes sense because the Tilda Swinton talks about, you know, having to keep the population in the fish tank just right yes. and this okay. and that and that. So, and and the the plan was that the revolution would end in that car. And and that this this fish that they gut is the big fish from the pond representing um, Curtis basically, and this, oh. is what, this is what's going to happen to you. You're the big fish. Well, I definitely cut. thought that was like a threat. But then what yeah. was interesting to me, and where I thought the movie was trying to tell me something, and actually maybe it was trying to tell me something, is when Curtis slips and falls on the fish. I was like, well, this seems weird now <laughs> why does he have to slip in my now now that well, I think about well it, actually if you if, if, right if if yeah if, if the fish is a, is representing his character then he's his own it is enemy. his downfall <laughs> so. yeah like he slips on himself oh my god well Curtis. so meta um it's got a lot deeper <laughs> well, and, and yeah, we have. I, I feel. To, like, I feel like this movie has a lot of layers that we I haven't even noticed yet. I really am going to go see it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like an onion. Um, 
And, and we haven't even really talked about Tilda Swinton yet. Oh my gosh, how could we not? It's 30 minutes in. How could we not have talked about Tilda Swinton? She is, uh, if, if Chris Evans acts, you know, acts his heart out in this one, Tilda Swinton is just playing it up and having like the yeah. best time of her life. And that's what like, she does. I think she does that in, every, well, other than like that movie where she's the mom of some dead kid, I think she does that in every movie. <laughs> like, she is so unappealing in a million ways and yet you can't stop watching oh my god and like her everything from her accent to when she takes her dentures out and everything (laughs) why does she do that i don't know that she's not perfect is or is it to show what Maybe maybe it has some, maybe like because all the tail section people are missing parts, she's trying trying to say like, look, I'm one of you. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's funny, a friend of mine had this theory with that she does that weird hand motion, everything in its place, and Wilford Mm -hmm. does it too, and it's the motion the kid has to make to make the engine keep working. And so my friend had this theory that, like, she had to do that when she was a kid. I was like, um, you're forgetting it's only been 17 years. So she was not a kid when this right. started. Yeah. <laughs> and what's confusing to me about that is that I feel like doesn't doesn't Ed Nair or Wilfred say they only recently had to start using kids to do that? Right, right. yes, because yeah. the, the part that used to do it when it came. Yeah, so, but they just knew that was what the part did, maybe. That's why it's part of their, like, weird... Which is one one of the little details I loved about this movie was yeah. that the, they 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 call inanimate things extinct. When yes. them, they're extinct. Well, but yeah, it's it's just saying like the the train is the world because it literally is right. for them. I mean, it's it's everything. And and as you move through each car, you see all those different aspects of society just completely played out. You know, for you, like the, when they get to the rave section. Oh my god! The whole thing where did people crack up? Both times I've seen it, just starts laughing. Like there are points in the movie where you're like, what? Of course there would be a rave. Of course. <laughs> The decadent society. Yeah. My favorite was the fish tank, by the way. When they go to that fish tank, that's where... Actually, the first time the window opened is where I really felt like, oh, just the look on their faces and how transfixed they were. I was like, oh, I get it. These people have never seen this before. And how... Just even, like, sunlight when they, you know... And the outside world. And maybe it's... I think probably all three of us were, like, big readers as kids, and we're still readers, and mm-hmm. I remember as a kid having this really like great imagination because I read a lot of books and kind of feeling like I could put myself in someone else's head. But it's been a long time since I felt when watching a movie like, oh, I get it. They've never seen outside, you know, like yeah. they just want to stare outside. And when they see the fish tank and all that, like I felt like I was reading my first like Ray Bradbury short story. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and when, go ahead. Oh, and it's just the, the idea that, I mean, most of the adults in there knew what, you know, for the most part, what the, what earth had been like before the snow hit. I mean, sure. Curtis even says like 17 years on earth, 17 years on the train. So some of the stuff wouldn't necessarily oh, true, you're be right. New. True. Yeah. It wouldn't be new to them, but I think it's just because you haven't seen it for so long. I mean, it's almost two decades since they've seen a shark, you know, a fish tank. Um, and especially one that's over you, like if you're yeah. in SeaWorld or something. And John um, Hurt says, still frozen. Yeah. Oh, God. 
But yeah, speaking of people's expressions, though, like when they're when they're in the uh, the the school car. Oh my god! Like Chris Chris Evans' expression the whole time is perfect. Like he's just got this complete look of what the fuck is going on here. He looks so clean, or no, sorry, he looks so dirty under those clean white fluorescent lights. It's brilliant. Oh, and also, by the way, this movie not scared to confuse you and not scared to kill a pregnant lady. Like, bring it on. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, she shot first. Oh, for sure. She needed yeah. to die. Like, she needed to die, but I just love how ballsy this movie is. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's just, again, like in the in the, the kindergarten car, it's basically just, it's just bonkers. Like, you know, when they're in there, and they're just crazy. like, you know, what do we say about the trains? Like, you know, you know, if it stops, we all die. It's like these kids are just saying these things and the Wilfred like indoctrination video that they watch and they're just like yeah and the song <laughs> what oh that song and Allison Pill's expression oh my, my the... favorite is when she rolls her eyes back in her head yeah just like she's having an orgasm and you're like why is this happening I'm not oh, a big fan a... of the newsroom which she I, I love I love her I love oh her oh my god love her she is amazing yeah. She's really good. Have you guys ever seen the movie uh, uh, Goon? No. It's um, no. yeah, it's a it's a, the hockey movie with Sean William Scott. Oh and everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Yeah, she plays his uh, his love interest, and she's really good in that too. But she she's just a good actress. But uh, yeah, no, her when that eye rolls back and she's she, singing that song. Yeah, oh. she's not scared. She goes for it, man. She's like, I'm going for this. This is gonna be weird, and I love it. And and I think that's what really is great about the movie too is that it balances over the topness with the subtlety of other things right. like like the acting of certain characters because everyone in the tail section is for the most part very subdued. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think other than uh, was it is that Octavia um, who's the Octavia Spencer? Yeah, Octavia Spencer. You know, she she maybe has a couple of moments where she, like, really lashes out. But other than that, everyone from the tail section, very subdued about everything uh, until they have to really fight. And then everyone in the the forward cars is just every new character is just weirder and weirder. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's a good balance. I, I think I think a lot of ways that's that's what the movie the movie is about, balance between yeah. extremes and, and things like that. Um, but but then you have. Um, uh, what's his name? The gate guy, who who does not who does not subscribe to any of it, and he's like, I'm not going to play this. I want to get out let's of get, this. Let's get off. Let's, let's yes. get off the damn train. Yeah. His <sighs> name is um the the character's name is Nam uh Nam Yung Minsu. Okay, got it. And his daughter uh, uh, is Yuna or Yona or something like that. Yona's his daughter. Boy, that Yuna. is good. That introduction scene where he pulls out that cigarette. Like I haven't smoked a cigarette in six years. Like at all. <laughs> But even I was like, oh, I know. I gotcha. Well, yeah. all the smokers, they, they smell the smoke. They're like, oh, oh, God. Okay, if, I had, if I hadn't even seen a cigarette in 17 years, I'd smoke it. Yeah. Oh, yes, I'd smoke it in a heartbeat. But, yeah, so, so, yes, he gives Chris the last cigarette at the end there. Mm-hmm. He says this is the last cigarette in the world. And then he's he's monologuing and doesn't even smoke the. Oh, I know. I was mad at him for that. <laughs> I, I was like, smoke it. it he smoked, take the like, last he drag. Two drags on that and just looks at it. And I'm like, you smoke that, you fucker. <laughs> you smoke it. 
You put that canister stick in your mouth and you smoke it. Like, I think the guy says, you should appreciate that. That's the last cigarette. And one of his lines is about, like, we got all crammed on the car, but we didn't have time for appreciation. Like, we didn't have time to be grateful. And I was like, I I see where you're going, movie, but please smoke that cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing with his character, too, The uh, with Minsu. Uh, he, you know, his, his whole plan from the get-go in terms of collecting all the chronal, because that's how they basically, you know, bribe him to open all the gates for them. Yeah. And so he can make a yes. huge big bomb and, uh, and explode it, because he's like, uh, uh, he had seen the outside world before he was in prison for the addiction, and he was telling, and then he tells Curtis, like, it's melting. Yes. Like, what if we get off the train and we can survive? And they're just, and Chris Evans is all like, what? What are you talking about? Like, it's freezing death uh, out there. Uh, and yeah, and I think this this is a weird a weird thing that might not be a popular thought, I guess. I don't know. But I, I don't I don't think Chris Evans, I don't think Curtis is the good guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he, I think he is a good guy, but I think that getting off the train is the right move. But I think at the end, he would have also taken them off the train. Well, it's, what? it's very so much like... My, my question, I mean, he's basically responsible for the end of the human race. <laughs> and... No, no, Dieter. What? Stop. What no, he is. He destroys the train. Come on. Dieter, they're going to be fine because they see the polar bear. Were you not watching? Yeah. Right, right, They're right. Because be I, I believe that two kids that have lived their whole life on a train. Peter, you are missing the point. Oh, excuse me, sir, but now we are going to have words. <laughs> you are missing the point. The whole point is that, yeah, the good guy is the guy whose name I can't pronounce because apparently I'm white and I don't know how to remember Korean names, and I apologize for that. But the point. Rachel apologizes to all of Korea. I apologize to all of Korea right now, especially my friend James Irwin, who is half Korean. Okay, so um, the thing is that I think the ultimate message of the movie is get off the train, assholes. Like, it doesn't have no, to. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Right. So I understand that also it seems very unrealistic that a tiny little boy and a full grown woman. And one polar bear (laughs) rebuild civilization. But it's definitely the message of the movie is that that's what's going to happen. And probably there are other survivors and that's how it'll work. Like, you know, she's alive. There are other people that are alive. It's not, she's not the only person alive. So I assume there's a way that this is going to happen, but there's no way that you can think that the message of the movie is that Curtis just destroyed humanity. There's no way. Peter. Well, 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 look, but he doesn't. He doesn't know it's going to end up that way. His, yes, he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't He's give a crap about getting off the train at the yes, point he discovers. Yes. He discovers the kid in there. He just wants it all destroyed. He wants to get that kid out because he has faith that something better is coming. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that he knows he has to sacrifice himself because he says, "How can I be a leader with two good arms?" And then in the end, he doesn't have two good arms, does he, dear? No, he doesn't. That's true. He does not have symbolism because he gives it up because he and then he wraps. He doesn't have much of a body either because it explodes. But exactly because he wraps himself around those people, and he knows ultimately that the Korean guy is right. We have to get off the train. So, yeah. so why does he not just accept the offer 
make everything nicer for people on the train oh. until he knows he and knows he wait. knows he knows that it's warming push. up and they'll be able to get off soon. No, Dieter, that all happens too late. All of it happens too fast. Like he sees the kid under there and then all hell breaks loose. Like everybody's mm-hmm. storming the castle at that point. So he's gotta reach in, he's gotta get the kid out. He knows they're fighting the other people outside. He doesn't have time to be like, hey, everybody, let's be reasonable and keep this snowpiercer going. They're also trying to kill him. Before he even enters the room with Wilford, he hears the story about how it's warming up out there. Yeah, but he doesn't know this. It takes – here's the thing. He's so focused before he goes in there on killing – his goal is to go – he's too single-minded. He right, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is wait, that he, wait, he does that not care changes. about anything other yes, than. But it changes. It all changes once he sees that little kid in there. He's like, nope, nope, I was wrong about this all along. Everything has changed. Everybody is going to live. Well, you have to almost look at this as the, it's a continuous um, hero's journey almost. Like it's not a traditional uh, character arc in the sense that. Curtis starts, you know, at this point where he's sure. he's essentially leading a, a, a revolution. He doesn't want to be the leader in in a proper narrative. He would rise to that occasion, sure. become the leader, and then save everyone. In this movie, he doesn't want to be the leader. He starts rising. He gets more single minded. Is like I just need to get keep moving forward right. to the train, the to the engine. And when I get there, everything's going to be okay. And then when he gets there, it goes to shit, and he starts to falter. Like, it's almost like the fall of the hero is starting to happen, and then he has another redemptive arc. Right. Like, in the engine. And then, you're, and then you discover that the actual heroes will be these people that survive at the end. This girl. I mean, you could even argue in some, you know, some people could argue that Wilford and Gilliam are the heroes sure. for keeping humanity alive right. for as long as yes. Yeah. yes. And the world but. is actually melting by the time everybody gets off the train. Now, they didn't know that, though. I don't think they were conscious yeah. heroes about that. I think they were accidental heroes. Yeah. It's it's all about, you know, it's just, again, it's not uh, subtle in, in terms of the message that it's trying to send, but when, you know, uh, Wilford is, is ex- you know, telling Curtis, like, how they kept the population yeah. down, right. and then also... Prior to that, you hear the the monologue from Curtis about they were alone for three months, I think, in the tail section. By the way, none of that adds up. You don't start eating people after a month if you haven't had any food. You start eating them after, like, four days, right? I, I, well, I don't I've never experienced it, so I couldn't But say. you can't survive a month without food or water. But it's fine. Who cares? Keep going. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a period of time where they had no provisions and started eating each other, basically, and mostly babies. Um, So when we know that and then you hear Wilford's story and it's just like everything just starts really like hitting you, you were, you know, at at home where you're just like, oh. Yeah. Because the the great thing about this movie is you don't know that anybody is exactly wrong. Like, is he wrong? No, like he might be right. Um, but I do think that he, that Wilfred wasn't, I think the one thing that they, that both maybe Wilfred and Gilliam weren't willing to accept is that things could change outside. And I don't right. think that like, they're not heroes in the well, and, and, and I don't, I don't think Curtis accepted that either. I think. No, I think he accepted it at the end. I do. I think that's, I think he wants to save, the kid 
because he knows this train isn't worth it anymore because you could actually survive outside. I think he, at that point, agrees I, with... That's when the, I think that's when the next, the, the that little arc, you know, when he has that next redemption moment because then he's just like, you know what, if I'm going to believe um, this guy now. I'm going to believe him, yeah. what he said, because I, I have faith around around the girl and the kid. And yeah, he wants to protect Yona and and, uh, and Timmy and everything. And I think it's really just comes down to faith. Like he wants to believe that what what uh, the Korean guy said was true, and so that's why he, they wrap themselves around the two kids so that they can hopefully survive. I mean, they don't know if they're right. going to survive. And in a way, I think like Dieter, you, I think it could be true that he that he doesn't necessarily believe that, but I do think that at the very least he recognizes that death is a better alternative than the system as the way it's working now. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll he, buy that. I'll buy right, that. He's about to accept the system as the way it's working now. And then he sees that the sacrifice is these children. And also he probably puts together all these, like, oh, and murder or whatever. And yeah. so whichever it is, whether he believes that ultimately we can live outside the train or he believes that ultimately this is not worth it. And I wonder if, if in some ways the movie is asking us to believe that we really can live another way that we, because, you know, as oh, those chains, like I really, it was bizarrely powerful, like for something that seemed very obvious and normally that would annoy me in a movie. I was like, no, it's obvious what they're telling me that there are haves and have nots in the world and it sucks for the have nots. Like it's really, it, it's powerful. Like it really does suck. And I wonder if there's a different schema for how the world works that we could actually all live in. Well, it's like you were saying, Rachel, that, I mean, you, I think you really hit it over the head with the, the, the point is to get off the train. Like if the train is the world and then, I mean, this is what good sci-fi should do is, is make you see the world for actually what it is and then be like, well, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that because they're, everything that's happening in that train is basically a mirror of what's happening in society now. I mean, we haven't gotten to the eating babies moment yet, but in some parts of the world, yeah. you know, sure. pretty much, yeah. It, um, it, is, it is really, I think, I think you just hit the nail on the head to return that in that that is what sci-fi is supposed to do. It's yeah. supposed to, like, reflect back to you something about the way the world is in this kind of crazy, weird fish murder way or whatever. And, (laughs) and make you really think, Oh my God, is it actually possible that everything that I accept about how the world works in terms of social class in this case, and I think that's really the message is what we accept about the natural order and people are where they're supposed to be. And you just, in America, our story is work hard. Our story is if you work hard, you will succeed. That's the American story. And it's certainly not true, right? But we all kind of accept it. And so this is kind of reflecting back. Like in, in other cultures, it's you're born into it and just be born into it, right? Like everybody's got their story about why some people have more and other people have less. And, and it's actually you, possible. And- there's a world where that story is bullshit. I, I've never really bought the story, and I think that's why I probably identify with the yeah. uh, Korean guy the most and why 
No, I agree. Think, I think he so. I think he and his daughter are both the true heroes. Maybe not the true protagonists, but I think you're right that they're the key. They're the key to all of it. Yeah, and and they're and they're so ama- like I love the the two actors too because they the way that they move around the train as well. Like he's just like walking over people and you know he grabbing like carries the- her on his like is weird. Oh god, I love those two. There's just like the these characters that they've crafted. I mean, um I don't know who the kid is who like can fight in the enclosed spaces or whatever. Oh yeah. Like that little ninja oh, guy. Oh yeah, that is great. Oh, oh my yeah. God. So that one of the other little things I loved about this movie was that the the cast, the characters and the actors are just all so international. Yeah. Like they're not all white. <laughs> Yeah, with your token black person. Go figure. It is. It is like you know what's funny about it is because the the train is called the rattling arc, you know, and you do have to like at some point you're like, wait, where did people board this train? <laughs> like, yeah. you would think that if people were boarding, they would all be one nationality. They all got on the same place, but you're like, no, I guess he maybe they're just they, like they just went around. And another thing that I think is very clever is. When they show the train, the map of where the train goes, they actually don't even measure it in where it is. They measure it by holidays. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I, like whatever bridge they go yeah. over, what time of the, what month yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's what supposed to make like a full year circle. So it's almost like I wonder if they just picked up different people along the way or whatever. But it is, it is brilliant in terms of, and I think this is something that I always liked about Firefly too, or, or Serenity in particular, the movie, is that there was a, a true effort to demonstrate the fact that as time goes on, this is all going to be more melded. So that in, in Firefly slash Serenity, it's like English and Chinese are meshed, and there aren't any token quote-unquote characters. It is just a multi- racial world because of course it is except why aren't, yeah. why aren't there actually any chinese characters that's what i want to know but <laughs> well maybe they just skip china <laughs> we'll just we'll go through each episode of uh, firefly and we'll try and figure it out <laughs> yeah, we'll try to figure that out <laughs> but yeah no i i do love like the the international cast i love you know like all the British, American, Korean, I mean, you know, everybody under the sun is in this. And again, you know, it's kind of like you go back to um, uh, the original Star Trek series. It's like, these people will work together. Guess what? We live in a multinational world. Like, they're all going to, like, at some point end up doing, you know, uh, being around each other and having to work towards a common goal. And in this one, it just happens to be murdering a bunch of people to get up to the front of a train. <laughs> like... <laughs> So, um, but, uh, yeah, so we're getting close to the hour. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't really talked about in terms of the movie that, uh, you guys want to mention that just hasn't come up yet? Well, I didn't like the beard. (laughs) Other than Chris Evans' looks. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we could talk about it for, like, four days, but I think, like, like, we talked about the visuals... We talked about the symbolism. They did love when they hit the um the ice bur- when the ice was over the tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they hit, I mean, just like you feel the weight of the train. I think yes. too. And I like, will say that that moment when they see the polar bear. Oh my god! Yeah. I am not ashamed to admit, cried a little bit. <laughs> I was like, 
it's gonna be okay, you guys. <laughs> well, and I, I also really kind of dig the fact that the future of humanity, you know, as far as we know, relies on a, a, a black boy and a Korean girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Where did he, Where did he get the child size fur coat? I, that uh, is that is very convenient because you see them get the adult size ch- the coats, but but Dieter, we have to let that go. <laughs> this isn't a frozen. I have, to, I have to find some flaw with this movie. It's yeah, it's too good. There is definitely, you know, by the way, um, for sure there was a kid in that creepy, weird chrono chron, chronone whatever it was car where they have all the fur coats like. I, the second time I saw it, I thought of that. I was like, where'd they get that? I was like, oh, you know what? There would be one. It's fine. There would sure, definitely be one. Sure, whatever. Sure, we just picked it up for no reason. Oh, convenient. I think they went back and got it. And I think there are also other survivors. I think, honestly, it all adds up. <laughs> it all makes sense. It you know? really does. Like, in that, in both a big picture and a... I don't think you could. I think if you went through and watched it again, there's probably some little kid in the corner in a giant fur coat. I'm <laughs> do. When I go see it again, I'll just be like, okay, I'm looking for kid, yeah, kid, 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 kid. in a giant fur coat. That's all I need. <laughs> and then this movie is perfect. Or they could have just used the adult size and like cut it up and wrapped it around them or something right. like that. Yeah, you don't know, Dieter. You don't know how much time has passed before they come out of that train. <laughs> After the explosion, yeah. and then <laughs> like, it is that is just such a great. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it, I think it's and it's a good moment to go out on to because some movies like will just keep going <laughs> to a point where you're like, okay, you should have stopped like ten minutes ago. Right. Well, yeah, it goes in with the exposition. Yeah. Like this movie gives you exactly what you need. Right. Nothing more. Nothing. Because less. earlier in the movie, they say all life is extinct. All life, not just human life. So yeah. when you see that polar bear, that's how you know. And I'll tell you what, it almost, even though I think fully, I believe fully that humanity survives it, it almost doesn't matter. No, I agree. It the doesn't people matter. from the train make it. You just have this sense that life on Earth is going to go on. And I just can't get over how much it really makes me think about the idea that we really could on planet Earth right now understand humanity in a different way like that's kind of the message like what if we understood humanity in a different way and that every single life was important as important as every other life because the 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 thing that wilford believes is like everybody's supposed to be in their place and if you're going to kill anybody it's going to be 72 percent of the tail section right it's not going to be 72 percent of the upper section or whatever the percentage they give is and, like, the message seems to be there's a radically different way to see things. And and maybe we can get off the train. I think that's great. I'm ready to get off the train. <laughs> I think we all should get off the train. But I, I don't know how to get off it, honestly. I literally don't know how. Well, but, we, have to, we have to blow some shit up. But yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, in my personal life, I don't know what that means. Do I quit my job? Because I'm worried about getting old. You know, like, I don't know what it means. So that's the thing. You see your place in this world, and yes. you just don't want to get out of it because of the convenience of it's it and everything. Exactly right. I I'm telling you, that's the thing. Is I accept the premise, but I don't know how to put it into action. 
Well, and, and again, that goes back to, you know, what what should really good sci-fi do? It should make you think about your place in the world. and should also make you think about how, you know, not only it mirrors you, but how you can change yeah. because of it. And if nothing and, else, you should be more compassionate. Like, mm-hmm. you should understand. And I have never believed, by the way, that people are born into anything because they deserve it or it's their place or whatever. But it's this movie more than most movies really made me think. But now, what is the action that happens? Yeah. Oh, you guys, I'm gonna cry. Join a not for profit. Uh, but not for dumb. me. What? <laughs> it's not for you. It's for everyone else. It's not for you, right? That's now. my favorite thing to make. <laughs> like, go volunteer. Join yeah. the join the company. It's, I'm sorry, know. it's not for profit. I'm not allowed. Um, I'm only in for-profit Um, But yeah, no, I mean, it's it's such a, I mean, not only just visually stunning, um, thought-provoking, well-acted, I mean, it's just, it's one of those movies that it's so frustrating that it's not out in more places, that more people aren't seeing it, or, you know, thankfully, I think word of mouth has been really good at boosting it a bit. But um, it's just like you think about what the Weinstein's wanted to do, and you're just like, "What the hell, man?" The hell, dude. But I do, and I do think it's funny because I, I mean, most of the people I know, I think really would like it, but but not every. I mean, I feel like I couldn't just universally recommend it. Like there are friends I have who would be like, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of people I know probably would right. do it. Like, why did you tell me to see that movie? And yet, I think, one, I think more people would like it than know they would like it. Like, I think more people would actually get something out of it than if you kind of told them how, like, surreal it is, would think they would. But I also think it's worth a shot. You know, like, let's just tell everybody to see it, and the people that will get it will get it, and the people that won't, it's fine. Right. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, it has enough for everybody. It's got enough action. It's got enough. Um, uh, and there's beautiful, and it's beautiful. Let's not forget how yeah. like beautiful this movie is. Exactly, like for just like really showing a train and a bunch of icy landscapes, yes. it's gorgeous. and the fight scenes. Gorgeous. Oh my god! It, it did not have a predictable romantic subplot, though. Which I kind is of fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Which is interesting because in the comic book, that's kind of like this one of the central things. Oh, is it really? Yeah, there's a woman, and the because the main character is actually named Proloff, which um, I, I mean, so this is the French and everything. Sure. So, um, but there's a woman who's like a, a middle class activist who comes in, and then oh, they form a relationship. That sounds stupid. Yeah. So the adaptation is much stronger. Yeah, I think than, if anybody had gotten laid in this movie, it would have really taken away from the power, partially because the desire to procreate is actually in some ways counter to the message of the movie. Like you have to forget about your own individual survival in a way, you know, like it's like, you know what? Don't mess with sex in this movie. It's actually one of the most brilliant things about the movie is they don't bother. And it just takes away from the the real mission of, uh, of what the characters are doing. Cause that all they need to think about is moving forward. And if you have a, a romantic subplot on top of the... It holds you back. It holds you back. It holds you back. And yeah. you already have a couple of other, like, underlying subplots with, like, uh, trying to find the kid and then um, Jamie Bell's character and his his tiny little, yeah. like, uh, relationship with Curtis. In terms- we learned nothing from The Walking Dead. Like, romantic subplots just screw you up. It's what happens. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and, and uh, okay, uh, we didn't talk about when they, they, they cut the power and the fire scenes. Oh, I love it. Oh, that was like the, I, because you think at that point it's done. It's like it's slaughter time. They can't fight in the dark and they all have all the, you know, so good. And Wilford even points out at the end or Wilford points out at the end, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. And just when he's like, bring the fire and that kid at the back and they're just running it up like the Olympics and stuff. It's like so cool. Like they pump you up for these, these moments where you're just like, he's just running a torch of fire, but it's, it's so important that they get that torch to them because it gives them, at least some, you know, semblance of hope that they can win the fight. Oh, it's like those those moments. And I think that's just a really good job on the director's part of making you be like, they're just running a torch up, but I want them to succeed. (laughs) And actually, it's funny because it reminded me, like, I went to Italy when I was, like, in my early 20s on this art history trip. And it was funny because Italians called... Uh, like when you would ask for a light for your cigarette, they would say, do you have fire? And I just thought that's exact. it was so interesting because it was another indication of the fact that it's not a Westerner writing the script when you say, hey, bring the fire. I was like, yes, that's exactly what they would say. They would say, bring the fire. They would say, give me a light. You know, like it would be bring the fire. And it's it's such a cool line too. And I'm surprised they never made it into any of the trailers really because <sighs> – that's that's such a trailer line too, oh, but sure. I'm, so, yeah. I'm so glad they didn't because that's so unexpected again. And then when it happens, you're just like, yeah, kill those bastards. It's good. <laughs> it's so good, you guys. It's so good. Yeah. Vitor, uh, anything else? No, I think I'm done talking. Uh oh, Vitor's done. I'm all I'm all talked out. Vitor won't even talk to us when we hang up. He'll be like, whatever, ladies, peace. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, gotta go see Snowpiercer again. But I think we did a great job, you guys. No, I, you know, I'm so glad you guys could uh, could join in for yeah, this. I'm really too. happy that other it people. Was good. I'm sure I'll think of like a million things later tonight. Where I was like, oh, I forgot to talk about this. But I'm, I'm gonna go see it again, and then I'll be like, I was totally wrong about everything yeah. I said. Now I think it's totally different. <laughs> no, you have made some great points, Peter Zimmerman. Don't you worry. Well, and I think that's the the best thing too is that you know. You know, we we all saw the same movie. We all have similar ideas of what yeah. happened, but the differing ones too. Like, the, you know, who's the real hero of this? All I mean, again, good sci-fi needs yeah. to make you have discussions. And like, I want to point out that Sam and I deserve total credit for not just being like, and Chris Evans is my oh friend. my god, he's so dreamy. He's my boyfriend. I until this point, Until we should have. Point, a lot of, yeah. can, you'll just edit that part out, right? But, yeah. I, I definitely believe he is my boyfriend. So. <laughs> my friend Karen and I have been fighting over which version of him for many years. Um, I'm taking this version because I like dirty and bearded. There you go. You like guys can have the blonde. It's fine. Well, um, yeah, because uh, I mentioned this since Dieter hasn't seen this movie. I don't know if you have too, Rachel, a Sunshine. Oh, I've seen Sunshine. Love yeah. It. So that's also like another, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic. And an amazing sci-fi movie. Exactly. Yeah. He's been in like two of my favorite, yeah. like underrated sci-fi movies. Yeah. 
I will have to go see that one soon. It's Danny it's, Boyle. It's it on, it on Netflix. It's Danny Boyle, you know, from, well, I think of, it's funny because when I do think Danny Boyle, I always think Shallow Grave. I know he has way more, like, recent hits than that, but. days later. Um... Yeah, right, for sure. He's done a million things, but I always think Shallow Grave, which, by the way, uh, Dieter, we watched together. Do you remember that? I, I remember that. Oh, I don't think I've seen it since then, but I remember oh, that. Oh, neither have I. It's like 1994 or whatever, but it was good. Um, but yeah, no, Sunshine is really good. I don't know if it's on demand or anything like that, but um, I'm sure it's, it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something. It should be, yeah. It's it's definitely like a movie that got passed over, but shouldn't have. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I just it's, this is amazing sci-fi, and I really wish that it was out there more. But thankfully, people like us are going to be like, go see it, just just yeah. go. Like, you will enjoy yourself on some level. Yeah. I don't care if it's the action or the analytical side, whichever part floats and your I boat. I think there's just a really good chance if you're listening to the podcast, you are people like us. Yeah. And hopefully you stop it, listening. It, yeah, to right. Us. If they're listening to the end of the podcast, well, I hope they've already right. seen it. But. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's weird. I don't know why you listen to this whole thing not having seen it. Because this was. Like, awesome. they just rambled on about this movie for some we reason. We did not give you a good plot explanation. Um, <laughs> like, we just rambled. But. Look it up. Yeah, look it up. Like, if you had the wherewithal to listen to this, you can use Google, apparently. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, um,. So before we close out, uh, where can people find you guys online or on the nets? Uh, Dieter, we'll start with you. Nowhere, really. Okay. Hi, um, Dieter, you're a drunken sailor on Facebook. Right. Okay. <laughs> Rachel just going to be like, like <laughs> Dieter has a very popular, successful renaissance fair mm-hmm. act called Drunken Sailor, and it's, in, it's an apostrophe, right? No, it's ampersand. Oh, shit. It's ampersand. Yeah. Sorry, I've been drunk. Drunk. Since you're screwing it up, I'll say it. Yeah, drunk and sailor. Drunk Amper Sand Sailor. We're a pirate band. Come find us on Facebook. We'll, um, you know, I don't know what you'll get out of it. If they'll you're get not, drunk and they'll but, sing a Renaissance Fair. Yay! And I can be found occasionally, hopefully, hopefully more often in the future at goodgirlsgotengeek.com. Yay! As well as my friend Bex. Oh, yeah, Bex, who we tried to get in on this, but she's in Colorado yeah, right now. Yeah, she couldn't see the movie in time, which I know she's going to be disappointed because she's going to love it. Yeah, and then she's going to be like, why? Why didn't I break his leg? I get in time. <laughs> um, and you can uh, find me not only on this podcast, but other ones as well, occasionally. Uh, I also write for wordofthenerd.com, and I have my own blog, The Maniacal Geek, and you can find me on Twitter at Darling underscore Sammy. Uh, do you guys want people to find you on Twitter as yeah. well? Um, I think we are GG Gone Geek, I believe. Okay. I, I don't really use Twitter, so don't bother. Okay. Don't find Dieter. Don't listen to his music. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be a He doesn't really like people very much. It's, it's true. <laughs> Don't, a, do not do not show up at my house knocking on my door. Well, well nobody knows where you live, so it's good. Dieter lives at um, <laughs> um. So yeah, that is the end of our show. Hopefully, you've learned something about Snowpiercer or want to go see it again because we've been so enthusiastic yeah. about. It. Yeah, um, you should definitely find a way to send us a message if you're like, I can't believe you missed such as such. Where should they? So yeah, where should they, they should message you primarily. So where should they yeah. message if we missed something? 
Um, pretty much just message me at my at my Twitter handle at Darlene underscore Sammy uh, about Snowpiercer because I would love to see more yeah. people talking about it. Um, me too. It's it's a movie worth discussing, worth looking at, and just enjoying. So, um, on behalf of that girl with the curls, Rachel Dieter, thank you for joining me. Um, and we will say good night, everybody. Good night. Bye.